I'd like to have a moment with the children who are worshiping with us. If you are in the pews and want to come forward and join me up here, I'd love to see you. And if you're worshiping online, just move a little closer to your screen. Come on up. Wow, look at all these wonderful, beautiful faces. So happy to see you. Come on and have a seat. Welcome, welcome. All right. Hi there. One of the places I love to go is the library. And I love to go and check out a book or two books or three books and take them home. Good. I'm so glad the library is a great place to go. Reading is a wonderful thing. And so I check out a book from the library, I read the story, I close the book, and I take it back to the library. And I'm done. I've read that book. But you know, there are some stories that I love to read over and over and over again. You know, Jesus told a lot of stories. We call them parables sometimes. And what Henry just read was one of Jesus' most famous parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a wonderful story. And I read it and I think about what it means. And, ooh, I need to be a kind person and help people who need it. But the amazing thing is I can read it again and learn something different. And then I can pick it up and read it again and I understand something totally new and different. The stories of Jesus are things that we get to read over and over and over again, and we never stop learning from them. So I hope as you grow up in the church, if you continue to come to church and go to Sunday school and vacation Bible school, you'll get to know these wonderful parables of Jesus, and you'll be able to learn from them your whole life long. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that Jesus was such a wonderful storyteller. He told stories that we can all understand, but that we never, ever stop learning from. Help us to to read them, to listen, to hear them, and to allow them to teach us. This parable is a good reminder that you want us to be kind and to help others. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much. All right, if you're three, four, or five, you can go with Pastor Stacy to Children's Church. And if you're older than that, you can go back to sit with parents or friends. Excuse me, um, my mom said that I could go and help. There is something so wonderfully comforting about a parable like this one. The parable of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the prodigal son, are probably two of Jesus' most famous and beloved stories. And they're they're parables that I feel like I can just sink into like a comfortable mattress. I've heard them so many times and I can just curl up on the mattress and think, oh, I want to be good, like that Good Samaritan. Most of the time I am. But then I realize that this mattress I'm lying on is not so much a, a purple mattress or a, or a thermo, whatever it's called, mattress. 
It's more like a sofa bed that you pull out, one of those 1970s sofa beds and the bar starts to jab you in the back and you roll around and you can't quite get comfortable because there's always something poking at you. That's what Jesus' parables really are like. As we scratch the surface, as we dig more deeply into them, they, they don't go in the directions we think they're going to go. They convict us. They make us look at ourselves in different ways and to look at others in different ways. And this parable of the Good Samaritan, as comfortable and wonderful as it is, is no exception. We even know from the context of when Jesus told it that he intentionally turned the tables on his audience. He was talking primarily to a Jewish audience and he makes the hero of the story a Samaritan. He twists it right at the end, shocking them and making them rethink how they understand Samaritans and how they understand themselves and the relationship between them. And so as I settled in this week with this parable, I was very aware of the ways that it was poking me in the back and making me uncomfortable. Because I realized all along the way, as I read all of the verses that Henry just read for us, where I see myself. And maybe you can see yourself in this parable as well. I see myself really clearly in the lawyer who first asks the question before even Jesus tells the story. A lawyer steps up. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I understand that question. What do I need to do to be a good person? To be right with God? Just give me a list. I'll go to church on Sundays, tithe, do something to help out in the community, read my Bible every day. Okay, I got those, I can do that. This is, is that what I need to do? I understand that impulse coming from the lawyer. And of course, Jesus turns the question back on him. You know the law, you've studied the law. What does the law tell you? And he answers beautifully the same way Jesus himself interpreted this question in another gospel. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, do that and you will live. But the lawyer's not done yet. Jesus, who is my neighbor? He's asking, really, but who is not my neighbor? Who do I really not have to worry about? Who do I not have to include in my circle of care and love? Surely I can draw the line somewhere. Is it among the Jews? Is it among my neighborhood? Is it my, where, where can I draw the line? Who do I include and not include? And I understand the lawyer's question in that moment for lots of reasons. For compassion fatigue, or my lack of ability to appreciate people who drive me crazy. Do I really have to love them, or the people who disagree with me? Or is there somebody, some way, some line that I can draw that they are not worthy? Or I shouldn't spend my time trying to love them. I also identify with the lawyer's impulse to talk about it, to have a theological debate and conversation about these kinds of questions, to spend all day just spinning around in my thoughts or writing about it or posting on Facebook or saying things about 
who my neighbor is or how to love without ever actually doing anything. So already before the story has even started, I feel convicted by these verses in Luke. I can see myself in that lawyer. But Jesus doesn't stick with a theological debate. He's not interested in just talking about it. And he tells a story. A story that is accessible to children and adults of all ages. A story that invites this lawyer in and invites him to search himself as he hears it. A simple story. There's a man going down the road. We don't know anything about the man, whether he's Jewish or Samaritan or Gentile or why he's going where he's going. He gets beaten up and robbed and left for dead in the ditch. We don't know if he was foolish, if some of this is his own fault, or if he just this just happened to him. We don't know any of that. But there are two people who walk by, a priest and a Levite. These are religious people. These are good people. People who've given their lives to the service of God in the temple. And when they see the man down in the ditch bleeding, perhaps even dead, they go around. They step out of the way and keep moving. Why? We don't know. Jesus doesn't tell us their motives. And we can fill in the blanks all we want. We can say that they're just callous people. They don't care. They're more interested in their positions and their authority and their power, perhaps. But it could be that they're good people who are on their way to the temple to worship and, and they have responsibilities. They have to go lead worship, and if they were to stop and help this man, they, they would be late. They might not be able to perform their duties. If they touch his blood, they'll be unclean, and they'd have to go through this ritual of cleansing that could take several days. If he is already dead, that is also would render them unclean for touching a corpse. And also, if he's already dead, you know, might as well. Just kind of keep moving. Somebody else will take care of it. There are all sorts of reasons why they might not stop. And as I think about those reasons, yeah, I see myself. I see myself in my busyness and how important I often think I am or how important my schedule is, my calendar is. I understand the conflict between duty and duty. I have maybe a three o'clock appointment with someone who needs some pastoral care or a, a four o'clock meeting to talk about the finances of the church and all of those things are important. And then we get a call that there's someone downstairs who's living in homelessness and just wants a pastor to talk to. How do you decide? What do you do in those moments? I identify with this Levite and this priest. And yet in the story, Jesus lifts them up as those who walk on by, who see a deep need and do nothing. And it feels like me. And then we get to the Samaritan. Now, this is the one I really want to identify with, especially because he is the good Samaritan. 
We all want to be good. We all want people to say, he was a good man. She was a good woman. You're a good person. And so this is the one I want to be like. And so as I examined what it was that made him different, somehow he made that choice to stop. He was going somewhere. He had things to do. We know that because after he takes care of the man overnight, he gets back on the road and goes to do whatever he was going to do and then says he'll come back. So he too has a duty and a responsibility that he's uh, pursuing. But when he looks over and sees the man in the ditch, instead of just moving on, he moves toward the suffering. He's willing to set aside his agenda, set aside everything else, because his heart is moved by the suffering of this man. The story tells us he was moved with pity. What made the difference for him? I wonder if he looked at that man and saw himself. If he said to himself, that could just as easily be me. Or if he looked at that man and remembered a time when he was helpless and needed somebody to stop. If he remembered a time when he was broken and was dependent on someone else to have compassion for him. If, as a Samaritan, he's so used to being overlooked and marginalized and, and ignored that he had the eyes to see and to stop. And for me, in this reading of the story, that's the key. Now, when it comes to the parables of Jesus, if someone says, this is the key to the whole parable, be very suspicious of that because there are all sorts of keys and interpretations and ways to unlock these parables of Jesus. But in this reading, for me, that was the key. Seeing his neighbor as himself. And I think about my own experience. In those moments of my life when I've been walking through a season of brokenness, of rawness, of pain, of grief, whatever it might be, those are the times in my life when God's compassion has flowed most freely through me. I remember one afternoon I'd spent some time praying and crying and agonizing about a particular situation in our family. And for the next two weeks I was just, I was so in love with the whole world and just so ready to be kind and give people grace. And it's because I recognize my own brokenness that God's compassion was able to flow through me. And I think the Levite and the priest had forgotten that. They seemed caught up in their own importance, their own goodness, their own responsibility, rather than remembering their own deep need of grace. It's hard to keep that before us. It's hard to remember that we are all sinners in need of grace, that we all fall short, that we're all broken and vulnerable in our own ways. But that's another reason why it's so important to keep reading these teachings of Jesus, keep bringing us back to ourselves. The truth is, I don't think any of us is ever always good. It's not like he's good and she's bad. 
It's not like I'm always good and they're always bad. I think sometimes I do the right thing and sometimes I walk on by. And what Jesus offers us at the end of this parable is not go and be good, but go and do. It's a verb. And every day we have a new opportunity to do and to act and to choose the compassionate action. Every day we have the opportunity to do what John Wesley guided his Methodists to do. Do all the good you can in all the ways you can, as long as ever you can, you know how it goes. Go and do likewise, Jesus said. May that be our mission today. May we be motivated by the compassion of God that flows through us, broken vessels that we are, to the world. Thanks be to God.